Episode 28, gallerist Robin Blackman and photographer Merrick Morton. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the luxurious library bar in the magnificent Mayfair Hotel. Tonight, I'm meeting gallerist Robin Blackman and photographer Merrick Morton. They have arrived early. They're enthroned at the bar's number one table. It offers a perfect view of everyone entering and exiting, and of course, everyone entering and exiting can see who's at that table. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed. You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. And, oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guests tonight are Robin Blackman, the originator of the long-running Echo Park Gallery Phototeca, and Merrick Morton, the sought-after film still photographer and artist. Together, the duo is best known for their dogged effort to bring the LAPD photo archive literally out into the light of day. They are here to talk about their exhibition of those photos, and it's closing this Sunday, September 15th. I really urge you to get over there and see it. It's at the House of Lucy, L-U-C-I-E, as in the Lucy Foundation, and it's in the row in downtown LA. The exhibition spans a hundred years of police work, but is deftly curated to not only highlight the history of one of the nation's most storied, and often corrupt, police forces, but to also showcase the very artful work of the police photographers themselves. Please welcome Robin Blackman and Merrick Morton. Welcome Robin and Merrick. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi. You Had you been in the hotel before? Not, not this is our this, first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, they redid it, and it, it's quite nice. It's great. I was thinking we could have meetings here ourselves. There you actually. go. They would love <laughs> to hear that, actually. That's terrific. So um, I want to talk about the show because uh, I want to make sure everybody runs over to it before it closes, which is on Sunday the 15th, right? That's and it's correct. at the Lucy Foundation in the Row, downtown LA. And do you know the hours by chance? Monday through Friday, 11 to 5, and Saturday and Sunday, I think, 11 to 4. Okay, so it opens until 4 o'clock. You get till 4 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> so, but uh, highly recommended we should race over there. We're going to talk about the show, but um, I first wanted to talk about Robin and Merrick, just how they got to, you know, where they are now and then the history of the show and all that. But Robin, you own and have still, right, folk? It's no hat. longer a gallery. Okay. Um, it's just my business. I work from home now. But I had the gallery for five years. And that was in Echo Park. It was in Echo Park. We opened in 2000, uh, 1998 and closed around 2005. Yeah. Or I didn't always have shows all the way uh-huh. through. I might not right. calculated that right. Um, and so do you still you still represent artists, just at, not in a gallery? Just space. the LAPD archive now. Oh, That's, is that right? Yeah, okay. and a little bit of things with Rick's work, right. Merrick's work. Right. Um, so, yeah, the first time we showed the LAPD archive was at our gallery, and it was in 2001. Okay. It's actually the 18th anniversary this month oh, wow. of our first exhibition. Wow. Yeah. And it's been all over the world. 
It's been a lot of places. Yeah, I was looking at the list. It's a pretty impressive list. Yeah, it's um, we have a couple versions of our show. We have oh. three different versions. Who's got all the photos now? Um, we have all that. You the do. photos, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so we have the assets of it. Oh, all right, cool. Well, yeah, I want to get to that, but then, and then you're um, also an artist, and it did. I was very impressed with the gangland stuff. I wanted to ask you about that. Um, and then also your work as a film still photographer. I was just curious what the hell that is. Okay. <laughs> I kind of know, sorry, but maybe you could explain. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Um, it's actually called a, a unit stills photographer. Mm. So I'm a set photographer. Ah. So what I'm photographing is, is what they're filming right. at the time. And then the work I use... Or um, actually, the work I shoot would be used more in the advertising end of the film, right. promotional aspect of the film. So again, I'll shoot the scenes, but I also shoot behind the scenes. So yeah. I'll shoot directors working. Got it. Do you have to go out like every day they're shooting? Do you have to go every day, or do you just get to go? I mean, not get to, and it's work. But do you, how does that work? Um, actually, uh, for films, you do have to go every day. Uh. Um, um, it's a union rule, mm. which I prefer that too. Yeah. They don't have to have you every day, but they have to pay you for right. every day, I so like they that. have so you spend there. A lot of time in craft services. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> I'm always telling them to stay away stay from away it. From <laughs> it's bad food. Yeah. Crap from Costco. <laughs> so, but you survive. I mean, that's just the devil's workshop when you're hanging around one of those sets. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's certain. You know, it all. De it depends on the project that <laughs> you're working. Who's, and who's on it, I would say. And, and yeah. who's doing the craft services. <laughs> it all depends on, you, you know, on the actors yeah. and the director. There are certain actors that are not that pleasant to work with. Uh -huh. And there's actors that are very easy to work with and they're great to work with. It's generally, I, I think the uh, still photographer is generally the position that they really don't want on set mm. because you aren't part of the filmmaking process actually right. yeah you're sort of you're sort of capturing the filmmaking process through your camera and that bothers them um at, at times it does <laughs> but um other projects they enjoy it i mean i've yeah. worked with directors before that 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 love still photography yeah, and so do you have to, like, you'll say, okay, well, then there, when everybody's taking five, you'll go get somebody that, you know, say, hey, I need you back in the scene, or no, are you taking it mm -hmm. while they're shooting? I'm a, I'm a generally shooting while they're, while they're filming. Every so often, you will call for a still if you just can't get the access to it. Mm -hmm. After the scene, yeah. you may call. But I prefer to actually... Um, yeah, I would bet they would like that, too. I don't think they'd like to go back. There's Not always. Yeah. Sorry, there's also rehearsals a bunch of times oh, before sure. the final, the real thing is getting filmed, before they turn the camera on, sort of say. And oh, right. so during the rehearsals, Rick is shooting the rehearsals. So I get yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, and then the sound guy doesn't like the sound of your winder, I'm sure. Well, actually now they have, the cameras now have silent shutters. Oh. So we used to have this... Um, instrument called a blimp which was a sound housing oh, really? and it's of, as awful as it sounds <laughs> it sort of looked like an underwater housing oh right huge and so um but so now technology has saved the day yes yeah, so i have a small camera and it's silent oh, and you wow. aren't as obtrusive 
We used to have a refrigerator full of film in the old days when he first started because he had all this film stock that there'd be leftover bits and pieces and it would just end up in our refrigerator in case he wanted to use it down the line. But then it became obsolete. Now we store wine in the refrigerator. (laughs) Much better use. (laughs) Much better use. Yeah. That's interesting. And then the the gang stuff, um, when did you do that? I highly recommend everybody seeing that. And you can find that on... Merrick Morton photo, right, on uh, Instagram, and um, and then there's some pictures of it on, on Phototech. We have a little com. PDF link on Phototech.com. F-O-T-O-T-E-K-A.com. Com. Okay, great. Um, and so I was curious about that, like when that was, and then um, what's impressive about the uh, Photos that I thought were the you know incredible access you seem to have warmed your way into their hearts. From you know I mean I, and I was curious I like they, you know they, they look in the photographs they look rather menacing, but um, and I'm sure they can be quite violent based on some of the pictures. <laughs> but they, they didn't you know they came across as sort of almost warm in some of the photos, despite holding guns. Well, I think um, actually I started I think in, in 1981. And um, it was after I saw a play called A Zoot Suit. Oh, right. I became interested in the Hispanic culture, or actually subcultures of L.A. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I started calling around. Um, actually, um, I'm trying to think how I started. Um, someone who I spoke to. I, I didn't, oh, it's, 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 oh, I just it's called, been so I, long I ago. Was it the East magazine? Side, East Side. 800 badass. He's gangster. <laughs> there was no online. I forgot who it was, but us. But someone referred me to a probation officer who uh. worked for Lake County, and um, I called him up, and he had a caseload in East LA. So I showed him some of the other photos I did. Uh, I spent a year and a half at a state hospital photographing, oh, so wow. I showed him some of that work, mm-hmm. and then he was kind enough to actually take me out to one of the homes that he worked with, and from them, and then from that point, I made my contacts directly with the people. And then, yeah. So, but how do you go about approaching them? He's like, oh, I'm a photographer. I want to take a picture. Well, I had some pictures. I was, you know, through the one contact through him. Mm-hmm. I met some people and I yeah. photographed them. Oh, I see. Then what I would do is I would start driving around. I would just drive along the streets and I'd see a group of cholos. I'd stop my car and get out and I'd say, hey, I'd like to do some shots of you. And I'd show them the work. Oh, uh-huh. So that's, you, you know, yeah. so generally they responded well to the idea. Yeah. And that's how I sort of started. So from them, I would meet their friends and other friends, right. and then I would drive to other areas through LA. Yeah. Do you know the uh, Guzmano Cesaretti? No, no, I don't. He he did a similar thing with lowriders, and he's uh, with the clique, the clique car club. I think I know the name. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I think around for a long time. If I saw the work, yeah, I'm sure I would know. He's a great guy. He's hilarious. A lot of funny stories. But uh, same story, you know, I said, said, hey, do you mind? Started up a conversation. And, yeah. 
I, you know, I, I, I suppose, um, you know, initially it's it would be fine, but then you get to know the families or you get into the because some of the some of the pictures are, I, you know, I don't know, there are a lot of guns in those pictures. Well, they always had that. I mean, that was around at the time. So, yeah. and um, you know, for me, it's for me, it was most interesting when they would take me into their homes. Right. And that where you could see it so beyond the guns. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. the guns would come out somewhat early. Yeah. And I think to me, it's sort of like, you know, it's. Um, that's their brand. <laughs> that's what they, you know, that's their brand value. They wanted that front and center. Yeah. And I think it's showing a sense of power. Yeah. And, sure. and again, um, it's really showing, I think, pride in their neighborhood. Right. Too. So that's what I try to capture. Except again, I want to go beyond the guns too, and that was my challenge. Yeah, no, the humanity certainly certainly comes out. I don't don't discount that. I was just curious, like how you got the accent. So, um, okay, so so then the the archive. This has been quite the the work of love. It seems this has been at this for a long time, or it took a long time, and then now it has had a life for you're saying eighteen years in various carnation incarnations. So um, the story of how it happened is fascinating, right? So you, I, I can't remember exactly, but you didn't stumble on the archive, or yes, no? Go ahead, start it, you start. Well, we how, started What um, you knew about. Um, actually, when she opened her gallery in uh, 1998, this is earlier, but we talked for some time about, about having an exhibit of crime scene photos we like the work of a Ouija. So we yeah, responded to that and said, sure. it would be great. So, so I, started, I started calling people within the police department and people within the city of LA, asking them, is there, you know, um, asking them if anything exists like this, if there are any images or if there, if there are any negatives of, of a crime scene. Oh. So you were just curious, so like if they had some in an archive somewhere, maybe of kind of Ouija type photos. Yes. And what were you going to do with them? You wanted to publish them? No, we wanted uh, for her for the gallery oh. for the exhibit for print an exhibition, them print and, them and oh, okay. have an exhibit. So the LAPD archive was originally like an idea to like show archival photos. Right. Yes. Yes. Ah, okay. And I actually met earlier on. Um, um, I actually. Uh, was in contact with a nurse on one of the films that I worked on. And he was the set nurse, mm. or the set medic. Mm -hmm. And he, and then he told me about the Los Angeles Police Historical Society. Yeah, and he that's said, over in like Highland Park or Lincoln something. Heights, yes. Lincoln Heights. Lincoln Heights, yeah. Eagle Chris, Rock, it's yeah. in Eagle Rock. Yeah, so, it's right in that area. And it's I, New York. I, yeah, I've been there. I okay. saw some of the photos actually. That, I don't know that they were, Exact ones in your thing, probably not. But yeah, so I've seen some of the some different same different ones, yeah. So he so he told me that he worked with them in some way, and then he gave me a name. So I contacted someone over there, and they did have some negatives hmm. at that time. So so at the at the, at the historical site, yes. Okay. So I was so they so so they let me have access to that. To look through what they had, they didn't have any crime scene. What they had are more sort of um, the PR stuff. Yes, ah. exactly. So I went in there, and then the person who I was 
working with there, he told me that the LAPD has all the crime scene negatives. So he gave me the name of the person who headed the crime lab, or the photo end of it, and I talked to him. And he said, yes, there is some stuff, but you can't get access to it. So that's just it. It's, a, it's closed with it. I can't help you with anything. Don't get access. But through, but through talking to him, then I contacted the, um, I was able to contact the city archivist. Isn't that some kind of, like, isn't that some kind of public domain, though? I mean, after so much time and... I mean, you weren't looking for anything, you know, last week. You're on, you were looking for hundred-year-old stuff. It isn't always the time aspect. It, it, it isn't always the time aspect as as far as public domain goes. It's it's actually these were photographers employed by the city, uh-huh. and they were police officers employed. So, so any works that are created within that spectrum are in the public domain automatically. So it doesn't really always have to do with time. In certain areas it is, and certain years, if you register register a copyright or you don't. But But these are city employees doing city work, so as taxpayers we should be able to get to it. Yes, as the same as the federal government, you know, Library of Congress. Mm -hmm. There's great archives there that are all in the public domain. I see. So, but he didn't want to let you go through them. No, because it's still, it's still at the time it was considered sensitive, and he just said no. So, what I did is (laughs) I got in contact with this woman. Her name was was Henda Rudd, and she was the um, city archivist. Everybody knew Henda. She was kind of famous for running the archives. They're the 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 public record part of it. The the more like city council information, public works, like all that kind. She was the gatekeeper for all of that stuff, and that was open to the public. Hmm. People could go into this little space and take out files and look at them, and they had um, beautiful storage, and it was temperature controlled, and everything was in archival boxes and very well kept. And Hinda was the boss of all of that and she was so the she, queen boss it didn't happen that way actually, she was a character actually when I approached her and told her that we wanted to do an exhibit her answer was um, hell will freeze over before they give you any access to wow. this quote unquote wow. I mean so she had an opinion yes <laughs> so then we went from there, and I was, and then um, through uh, through the street gang work I did, I made some contacts with the LAPD. I had some contacts with them, and then one of the one of the officers that I knew from some years earlier when I was shooting gangs um, happened to be adjutant to the chief of police at the time. Uh-huh. And he was actually working on a calendar of of African American officers. Hmm. Historic, yeah, pictures. That's few and far between, I would think. Yes, so it's interesting. So he, you know, he was interested in the history, and he right. was working yeah. on a calendar. So I was able. So I met him, and we talked, and he remembered me, and we got along quite well. And I said, "This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to to see if there anything you." You, you know, if there's anything that still exists, even. Yeah. And 
what he did is he made a proposal to to the chief of police Bernard Parks mm -hmm. and the timing was right and and then the chief of police said okay we will give you access to go through this so we were the first people allowed to go into it and it wasn't an archive what it was was a decaying city record oh, no. stored stored in a, a warehouse that was not that was not temperature controlled oh, no. but but can I just interject one thing um, is that at that time it was actually 2000 um, at that time Rampart wasn't that far ago like it was how many I don't remember what year Rampart had happened but it was a big deal and Chief Park saw the goodness of this concept of doing an exhibition he saw that this was a positive outlook on police work how it was done what was going on in the you know in the 30s and 40s and 50s mm -hmm. um, and that it would be good for the department mm -hmm. he realized it then well and I mean, and so did so did the adjutant John realized it so anyway so go ahead now describe the, go ahead about the yeah, the I mean, state well, of the because negatives. that could be a risk. I mean, that you know, those years, even at, well before Rampart, I mean, you know, the LAPD's got. A but it was an openness. Tarnished. Openness. Record. What it was like opening something up that had never really been opened. Mm -hmm, so see. it was sort of like exposing, mm -hmm. um, in a positive light. And we we're careful about things that we showed because we didn't want to pick pieces, negative, you know, images that were too violent or right. too exploitive and also when you think of the history of the department there were areas where it was corrupt in that area but again you're speaking years and years ago and it's part of history yeah so they were very open the chief is very open Saying, yeah this is the way it was and now it's not yes and we didn't re we weren't going after any <laughs> corruption what we were looking for are are like images that were historic but images that also had an artistic quality that can transform themselves from an image of evidence to an image of art. Mm -hmm. And that was our goal with it. Huh. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too because it's really more about the cura curation of it in that regard. Uh, and it is more documentarian and, and finding the pieces that are artful as opposed to exactly. intentionally being made as art, right? So like mm -hmm. you bring your professional eye I think you had the curator from LACMA, the photo. Curator. Yes, yes, and myself. We and a few historians coming, helping. Uh -huh. The so final they, selection yeah. came up to Rick, myself, and Tim Ride from LACMA. Yeah, so you would see because you would bring a pro eye and say, "Oh, this is really well composed," and so you know, and, and pick that, which meant the and, and it also met the other criteria, right? So. Yeah, I found that interesting too because it was sort of blurring all those lines. Sort of documentarian, but with a point of view, which you were bringing to it. Yeah. And then finding photographers who didn't necessarily think of themselves as artists, but then presenting their work as art in a gallery and in that whole context. And some of the photographers had a really good eye. Yeah. They stood out. Mm -hmm. Some of them were kind of generic, and some of them really stood out. And they kind of took the extra steps in their framing and in what they were capturing and if there was the time I think sometimes wider shots would be taken like the bridge image yeah, for instance um, well, and he rough, yeah, yeah right yeah, but, it's, it's but he took the, that photographer Rittenhouse took the time to frame the upper part of that bridge right. with the body 
yeah. at the bait. I mean, he, he saw the big picture. Mm-hmm. Where often, because of the nature of the job, it was about detail and right. so more they're more close up type type of shots. Yeah, the, I mean they had a they had a criteria how they were taught to shoot from a certain amount of feet and work oh. their way back, but sometimes they really saw, for mm-hmm. instance, the bridge. Right. Yeah, the, the pictures are. Uh, I, again, I really encourage you to go see the show if you can. And then, oh, I was going to ask you also about. Uh, uh, Oh, the, the state book, of the actually, the, I, I think you're saying that there's an LAPD archive book, right? It was published quite a few years ago. It was called um, Scene of the Crime, Photographs from the LAPD Archive, and we had a foreword written. So the foreword of the book was written by, um, we had a few people, a few writers. One was James Elroy. He happened to come into the gallery during the exhibition. And oh, so okay. we were like, hey, we're doing this. And there was a detective that we were kind of clo- friendly with who helped us with some of the cases, uh, back background information on some of the cases. And so um, Elroy was totally into it, and he yeah. wrote a great um, forward sure. and or essay. And Tim Ride, of course, with the artist, with the curatorial eye, um, wrote a beautiful piece. And then we also... At th- uh, Tim Wright is the la- is he still in the left? No, no, he's no longer there. He's with the uh, Norton Foundation, oh. Florida. So, and then um, Chief Parks left, mm-hmm. and Chief Bratton came in. By the time the book happened, so Bratton wrote a nice piece as well. Uh-huh. So there's there's some. It's a great yeah. book. It it um, unfortunately it's out of print. Right. They did two runs of it. Um, Who published it? Abrams. Oh, nice. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was it was good. It, it's a good book. People love it. I think a lot of set decorators use it for mm-hmm. um, ideas. Right. I see um, some of our some of the images um, reproduced in film and poster and art. Uh, not art, but like in film and TV. Right. Um, main titles, kind of things, and yeah. See, I see duplications right. actually a lot. It's kind of gratifying for you then after all that work. It, right? it was a ton of work. Um, it was a ton of work, but it was fun. Yeah. Also, yeah. you know, also um, on a side note, that when we started going through the negatives, there was a portion of them because um, quite a few of them up to 1940 were silver nitrate. Oh. And the fire department was called in. <laughs> they would not like This that. is when we found them in the storage. Oh. So we're kind of going backwards, but mm-hmm. we found them in the storage. They started bringing boxes out, and we were opening them, so excited. And you were there that day, actually. I wasn't yeah. there. I just and we would it. see sort of the problems with some negatives. So they called the fire department, and the fire department came in, and they wanted everything destroyed up to 1955. Because it was all on Every- cellulite. Well, it, some was silver nitrate and some was acetate, but but what they did is said destroy it all, even even that stuff. Even if things were in good be, shape. Oh really? Up to a year date, up to up to nineteen fifty five, they wanted everything destroyed. So again, now we had a scramble. So we met people in council, and then um, actually our current mayor um, Garcetti. He was involved earlier on with us trying to get our exhibit. He was the councilman for Echo Park at the time. We live there and Mm -hmm. have our gallery there. So so he helped in the support also. So we were able to get um, city council to fund archival storage. Oh, and that has to be temperature controlled? Yes. uh, Fireproof? Yes, yes. Fireproof. 
yes, everything was transferred to to archival storage. Well, there was many boxes destroyed because they were not you could not save them. They were literally uh, yeah, it, it looked like boiling uh-huh. goop or when you boil sugar, it was like yeah. it was melting. They had many like uh, negatives, like thousands of negatives in the length of a of a file box. Uh-huh. There was two rows, and they were the length of the file box, and there were four by five negatives, and they had they were mostly the mug shots, we think. Right? But it was a cardboard box. It was a cardboard box, but there was no division between negatives, it so it's together. like all stuck together. Mm-hmm. Other boxes that weren't just mug shots that were sort of interior crime scenes or different crime scenes, those were packaged like four or five or ten negatives to an envelope. Mm-hmm. So there was this, these paper envelopes that divided negatives from each other so the melting process didn't happen as 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 horribly as it did with those other ones um so what's going on with the archive now are people have access to it well we have images up on our website so but actually that's um but i mean there's not a lot are not a lot of historians using it as a reference or they might they don't tell us if they're just using the website we get people who write i often get um researchers and people writing their um writing books and um, thesis, 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 <laughs> thesis, I don't know how to say that in plural. Um, so we, we get people like that asking for images for maybe a, an example or comparative to other, whatever their concept is, you know, depending. So we've had a few of those, a lot of educational stuff. Um, I mean, our work is more geared to preserve. Right. And then also, again, to try to make these images available to the public, and that's through, um, you know, through publishing or through exhibits. So that's our goal always, is to let the public have access to view these images. Right. Well, that's very cool. It's a cool project. And so that's an ongoing thing. And, And then... You're still doing the film work? Yes. yes. He's actually right now working on a really interesting show. Mm. Because what's so crazy is we would read the script together and... I'm actually uh, working on... I'm actually working um, on an HBO project up Perry Mason. Oh, right, right. But it's in the era of all of our images. It's 1930s Perry Mason before he became a lawyer. So it's a prequel to what you would see from the, you know, the Oh, that's exciting. So so it's an eight-part limited series. When's that supposed to drop? I know, I'd probably guess in a year or so. Oh, right. It's just started now? Yeah, yeah. We're probably filming until... I think maybe January oh, okay. or so, so I'm not sure how long after that. But. I mean, they pop that stuff out like candy now. It's amazing, the schedules. Also funny, what about the thing that you realized the other day about you working on all those films about L.A. gangs and stuff? Well, that's through the gang work, too. I worked on the film. Um, um, I'm actually in this show that's, that's actually opening next Saturday for one night. It's called To Live and Die in L.A. Oh. And that's an Instagram also, so it's the person who runs the Instagram. And where, it, and it, I'm sorry, this is a, a, a show on the 14th, yes? Yes, and it... It's a physical show? Yes, and it's a group of photographers and artists who'd be considered street photographers. So it's a lot of lowrider, cars... Yeah, I wonder if Guzmano's in that. I, I don't think he's in it, but I think probably the most well-known would this be 
um, photographer uh, Esteban Oriel. Uh-huh. They all met each other through Instagram. Oh, no kidding. It's, it's a cool story, this, actually. Where, yeah, where is this show? So it's um, at 4000 West Burbank Boulevard in Burbank, and they're actually charging $5 at the door to cover their expenses of sure. renting the space, and they're yeah. The, the main person who's been doing it has been working his rear end off on all of this, sure. putting it together. And it's called so. to, live in, to Live and Die in LA 3. Cool. And so it's once again, that's in Burbank at 4,000 miles? Uh, West Burbank Boulevard. Okay. And what time is that? Oh, so that's September 14th from 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. Oh, wow. I'd like yeah. to get over there. There's sort of like a ton of stuff going on that day. It'll be a really cool event. It, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what transpires and the convergence of yeah. all these different people from all different walks of life. I mean, right. just having a little meeting with a couple of the guys last week and was so cool. Is that like, also on Instagram you're saying? To Live and Die in LA yes. 3 is at? Um, actually, to live yeah. in, it, it would be 2 as the oh, number 2, okay. To Live and Die in LA, and um, I think he promotes it from that, so he has information okay. on the show. So it's his Instagram. All right, well, we're giving that a shout-out, too. That, I think that that sounds exciting. I, unfortunately, there's a, a big thing going on in Chinatown that night, and I have to have the store open. Uh, but Well, all the galleries are open. I'll also plug that while we're at it. All, yeah. the, all the galleries are open on, China, on Chunking Road. In a, uh, it's a fundraiser for um, a preparator that worked on the road for everybody. Uh, so... Um, Anyway, that that's that's a big a lot of artists in the uh, from the community have donated art. Uh, everyone from Ed Ruscha to uh, and I'm giving off you know five percent yeah. off on the books. And that's stuff awesome. Like that. um, but uh, so that's going on from like five o'clock uh, on Chunking Road on Saturday the fourteenth. But that if you happen to be in Burbank. <laughs> or but it goes to eleven, so you can do yeah. Both. <laughs> it, unless you're running a bookstore. <laughs> yeah, I have to be there late. But I yeah, we really like to go there. And it's just one night only, huh? Yes. Dang. But it's great work. It's some interesting. It's you know one of the photographers. Um, um, uh, um, he's had access to one of the um, motorcycle clubs. Oh wow! And it's a, it's it's really good, and it's very rare access. I don't think anybody else has the work that he has with them. Really. And well, that's always fun. Like, if, yeah. the, if the characters in the photos show up too. That's oh, you'll have it. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, super yeah. fun. Arranged. That's kind of what. Yeah. I'll have the gang stuff there, and then I also awesome. have a selection from the film A La Bamba that I worked on. So okay. I'll have some of those that are about fun. thirty. Dang, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, if you search the hashtag "To Live and Die in LA," you'll see lots of videos on Instagram yeah. of the show too. Yeah. It's not the same, but at least you get an idea. Yeah, so what's it's the yeah. event. Well, all right, so one more time. Your stuff is on... Phototeca.com. F. F. Yeah. And uh, your Insta is Merrick Morton Photo, right? Yes. Correct. And also the LAPD Archive would, would be LAPD Archive. Oh. That's the Instagram. Oh, the Instagram, yes. For I've, the LAPD Yes, Archive. I've started following that today, actually. Well, well, are you, I don't know. Are you going to go to the? Is there a closing, or is it just going to close at the gallery? Yeah. On um, there's not anything. We just had a talk. We actually did the coolest thing. We had Steve Hodell, who wrote the Black Dahlia Avenger, yeah. come and talk last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, he's, and for people who don't know, he's the son of the man that he claims to be the murderer of, the, of Elizabeth Short. But he claims a lot more than just Elizabeth Short, that his mm-hmm. father, and it's such an interesting story, and there's this podcast called The Root of Evil, and Rick it's, and I fell in love with the podcast, and we and reached the, out to Steve, and then we got him to Steve do a talk. Steve does that cast? No, he's on it. It's a real, it's a, it's a real story of his family, and there's, there's a lot of auxiliary stories that are connected to his family and his father, Uh and it's, it's excellent. It's. And what's the name of the podcast? The root of evil. The root of evil. And actually, uh, what's interesting is being in the arts, is at, is that a man Ray was the family photographer. For the, for, for the Hodel, Hodel family. family. No kidding. So there was a relationship where they, even they feel some of the murders and with Anne Ray's drawings and art. And, and the way her body friends. was right. positioned and dismembered. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they and the Hodel family lived in the, Su- I think it's the Sudan house. And that house is the Lloyd Wright house on Franklin Avenue that has that sort of Mayan protrusion. Yeah. Um, entryway thing. I don't know what to call it. Um, I worked there a couple of times. We shot. They film there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. LA Confidential. Confidential. We shot there. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. This is why I do the podcast so that so people cool. listen in here. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, fun stuff. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This was fun. Yeah. yeah. We can't wait to go to your bookstore. I know. <laughs> well, if you're not. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents, Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guests tonight have been Phototeca Gallery owner Robin Blackman and photographer Merrick Morton. The shows we've been discussing and that I really encourage you to visit before they close are Art of the Archive, photos from the Los Angeles Police Archive, and To Live and Die in L.A. 3. The LAPD Archive Show is at The Row in downtown L.A. and ends this Sunday, September 15th. It's at the House of Lucy, as in Lucy Foundation, L-U-C-I-E. To Live and Die in L.A. is a one-day-only show, and it's at 4000 Burbank Boulevard in beautiful downtown Burbank. That's from 2 to 11 p.m. this Saturday, September 14th. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, Music and Artist Management Company Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Check us out at MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, AGGeiger.com. Thanks for listening.